Welcome to Brunch and Slay. I am your host, Amira Sane, and joining us today, we have Mahisha Dillinger, founder of Curls, the natural hair products we've all come to love. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so happy that you agreed to join us. I have been a lover of Curls products for some time. Oh, yay. Thank you. Yes, and I actually went to an event here in Houston uh, from Shalisha Jackson. Oh, yeah. And she had uh, your products there. Love her. And in the bag, she had a card uh, with your story on the back of it. Oh, yes. And once I read it, I thought, oh, my goodness. I have got to talk to her and just pick her brain and find out more about how she was able to create such a presence and stay in the industry for so long and continue to grow. Yes. Well, I would love to share it. Okay. Well, I know that you're from California. Yes. And for those folks who haven't been lucky enough to read a little bit about you and find out about your background, tell us a little bit about your story and what led you to actually creating Curls. Okay, so before I go there, tell me how far back do you want me to go? You want to talk about my professional journey or the struggle before that? I think it's important that you share a little of both. Okay. Well, I was born and raised in California, Northern California, um, and uh, to a in this neighborhood called uh, Meadowview, also known as Danger Island. Danger Island was a, a notorious community full of gangbangers, uh, drive-by shooting, home invasions, um, drug addicts, drug pushers. It was a lot of crime-infested generational cycles of poverty that prevailed in that community. That's where I was born and raised, um, and it was just a very desolate place to be. Most of my friends were pregnant by 15, and some of their brothers didn't make it to 18. Uh, most, And so we didn't see people who got graduated from college much, not even, so if we didn't see that, then, you know, even high school was a challenge. So how do you, as a young person of color, born into that generational cycle of poverty, shift and change your destiny, your legacy, and your world without access, information, or resources? How do you do that? Well, that's what I set my sights on doing at a very, very early age because I knew that I wanted to live a very different life than I was leading as a young girl. My mother um, was a single mom. She did the best she could do. Um, my, my brother and I had two different fathers. Um, and so it was real rough for her. And she did, God bless her soul, what she could do. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough. My brother got sucked into the world of gang banging and he got sucked into the world of uh, dealing crack cocaine. Our house was shot up multiple times because of his auntie, because that neighbor, he was the Meadowview blood. So the Meadowview Crips shook the house on different occasions, um, invaded the neighbor's house and killed the mother looking for her sons. That's in my community. So my brother's best friends, KK and Jamal's mother went to the door when they were looking for her sons and they shot and killed her. So so that, that was my environment, okay? That's where I come from. So I decided at a very early age to not only was I going to finish high school, but I was going to also go to college and be the first to graduate in my, high, in my family. I did that. 
unfortunately, I, um, well, fortunately, she was a blessing, but I wanted to be a young mother. I had my first child when I was still in college and I was hell bent on still continuing my education. It took me a little bit longer because I had to go at night while she was a baby until she was able to go to um, preschool. So my mom would keep her at night and it took me longer, of course, but she babysat so I can take, make sure I finish my degree. And I did. And then I went on into corporate America. So I kind of, you know, um, I, I pushed through, basically. I pushed through. Um, I, it, it became not if I graduate, but when. And so I made it a, a non-negotiable for myself because I knew that I had to single-handedly change my daughter's legacy. So that that's what we did. I, that's what I did. I moved forward and took care of my daughter and we um, grew up together. Um, she saw the beginning stages of curls. She has seen mommy work hard and sometimes have to be absent and traveling to get things done for the business. And now at 22 years of age, she actually works for curls. So everything has come full circle, but um, yeah, it definitely was a fight. Um, and so once I fought through the hood, you think you're, oh, I made it. Oh no, I got my corporate job. Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm working at Intel Corporation, a very coveted organization to work for. And I was, I was determined to prove my worth that I was a stellar employee and worthy of climbing the corporate ladder. And I was going to retire at Intel Corporation until I was faced head on with corporate racism. And at that moment, when Mr. Lyle McCarthy decided that he was going to um, get rid of me for no other reason besides that he didn't like the color of my skin, I knew that I had to change my legacy, my destiny, and take the control back and, um, put, and, and, and control my own destiny by determining how much money I'm going to make and how far I go. And after going through that ordeal, everything shifted, my mind, mindset shifted, and I decided to, from that point on, work for myself. So I hear, number one, a ton of determination. Right. Um, I'm happy that you share that part, that your decision is really what catapulted you uh, to the path of where you are right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Being exposed to a lot of things that us as African-Americans have been exposed to with the drug epidemic and obviously racism, uh, but deciding to create your own space in spite of. Right. In spite of. And actually, that experience of Mr. Lyle McCarthy wasn't it wasn't in spite of it was thank you for pushing me into my destiny because had I not experienced Lyle, I probably would have still been at Intel Corporation slaving away for them. And so I actually found Mr. Lyle McCarthy on Facebook a few years ago and I sent him a two word message. Thank you. And then after that I said Google me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Okay. So take me back to April 6, 2002. Okay. So that was when we launched Curls. I actually brought Curls on. I decided to, um, well, nine to 12 months before that, I started the process. But we shut, we turned on the light switch on the website, flipped the switch on on the website on that day. Um, after ever, all the work had been done and oh, turned the switch on to six orders. I was like, oh my God, I made it. You know, I've done it. You know, I was so excited. Six orders, right? Nothing. That's nothing. So I was super excited about where I was going. Um, and the fact that I, I, you know, actually took this idea, this concept and, and, uh, created, and I, the, from concept to creation to fruition, and I made it come to life. 
So I was very proud of that. And um, that's kind of where it all started. Yeah. So since 2002, I know that you've probably added, well, I know you've added a ton of different products. Tell us about your evolution. Like, where are you now compared to that woman who you were back in 2002 uh, as far as a business owner? Well, as where I am today as a business owner, I, you know, this brand was, it was very small when I started, you know, again, it was a handful of orders a day. Uh, I wasn't any retailers. It was a very small brand, but this, that brand has grown from an idea to a multi-million dollar company um, over the course of that time. So it, it, it's actually have been a very, uh, a very um, uh, fruitful business. And it, it wasn't, and I and I want to say this is that people think that um, they see success and they think it's overnight. You know, oh my gosh, you're so successful, and they they just see the this little pieces they see, the little knit here and there. But really, it was um, a lot of years of struggling and grinding and getting and really being aggressive and assertive and and going for it. You know, it just took a lot of grinding and, and not taking no for an answer. Yes, yes. Thank you for your transparency on that. Now, since the industry has changed so much since 2002, I mean, just the amount of women who have decided to embrace their natural hair has changed. Uh, I've noticed here lately that some of the mainstream companies like Procter & Gamble, who produces Pantene, Uh um, has decided to devil into natural hair. Right. I myself have mixed emotions about this because I feel like I admire women like you who've truly answered a need and didn't wait until it was a fad. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And so seeing that when I walk down the aisle in Target and I see curls sold out, by the way, with the vitamins, Uh (laughs) um, I see that and I feel a little twinge and I'm not even in that industry when I see some of these people with this huge buying power try to scoot in on those shelves that we used to barely have a little pocket yeah, now to hold right? out. Right? Tell me about how that affects you and how you choose, or not just choose, how you remain positive and not let that affect you when you're growing your empire. Well, you know what? Um, we saw we saw the right on the wall. We knew, we knew it was coming. We knew Prentine was coming for us. Uh, for some time now, because, you know, it takes them, uh, unlike us, small businesses, we can't, well, what I mean by small, small, a small business means anything under $50 million. Okay. So that's considered a small business. So small businesses are able to rep- um, respond in a quicker manner um, than, than uh, say, a, a large, like a Pantene, the Procter & Gamble of the world. So that is... Um, an advantage. So we had time. We knew that that was coming. Um, and so really, there's nothing we can do about their buying power, their shelf space, how deep they are. There's nothing we can do about that. Only thing that we can do, though, is continue to be authentic um, and, and organic to our consumer. We need to. And that, that's been our advantage, me and every other black owned brand. That's been all of our advantages since day one. So it, it's like um, what we what we thrive in, because you, you can come. And like I was at an event just this past weekend. Um, it was a, an event this weekend in Dallas where I was on a panel and I was speaking to women about empower them into their destiny and sharing my journey. You can't go meet the founder of Project Gamble and connect with him. So we, we have a level of an advantage at some level. And we have also all me, Curls and other brand owners, consumers that really want to buy from us and not the Pantines of the world. Now, there will be people that buy Pantene. Obviously, they wouldn't be here. You know, they're a big brand. 
Um, but they are realizing the power of the black dollar 15 years later. But whatever the case is, they are realizing it and now they're coming for us. But we're prepared. I feel like I, you always have to be ready for a challenge. And competition is everywhere. It's part of being an entrepreneur. So I, I don't shy away from it, basically. Yeah, and I definitely agree competition is always there. And um, I just know that that's a huge market. And I agree with what you said. Now, all of a sudden, it seems that brands are recognizing. And it's a little sad when you think about the fact that our hair has always needed different <laughs> different products, period. Right. Um, and to be limited, excuse me, to just a couple products that happen to be in the store has always been an issue for me. So uh-huh. having products like curls there that represents my natural texture, or even when I first went natural, I remember seeing your coil, um, what do you call it? Which the one? little description of coils that you have on your site. Oh yeah, um, uh-huh. uh-huh. That was important. Uh-huh. And because you wanted to know what products should I use that are best for my hair. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, and that's something that you just wouldn't find on mainstream sites. Right. right. It was a total afterthought. So I commend you for being a pioneer because you certainly are one um, in the industry and making a way and making sure that our voice is being heard. And we can really, truly tell that someone cares about the coins that we spend and donate to their business. Right, right. Very important. Um, very important. So, you know, there will always be the pancakes of the world. We just got to keep keep it moving and delivering and doing what we need to do. Oh, yeah. So now that you have your vitamin, we have to talk about it. Okay. Um, tell me what made you come up with the actual liquid vitamin? Well, we, we know we know that um, it's clinically proven that when you have a pill vitamin, um, you absorb 20% in your bloodstream of the vitamins. When you have a liquid form, this is clin- clinical data. That same set of vitamins deliver up to 90% of your bloodstream. So we, we knew, when we saw that data, I knew that if I was going to go into this supplement world, I had to bring a game changer, and that's exactly what we did. We changed the game by bringing a more efficacious vitamin to the table, and it's killing it. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> yes. I've tried other brands, honestly, um, and I tried the liquid because I thought, okay, that's something I won't forget. A lot of times, the other brands, the pills are huge. Yeah. Uh, and who wants to look forward to that every day? Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's a hard thing. And you can mix it with your favorite smoothie drink in the morning if you like, you know, taste of liquid. But I mean, it's definitely more efficacious way of getting your vitamins. Oh, yeah. I have to try that. I haven't mixed it with anything yet. I just you can definitely do that. it. Yeah. Yep. So... As a solo, well, initially as a solopreneur, I'm sure that you're asked this a lot, especially now um, in the city of Dallas where panels and different events that empower women are definitely on the rise. But can you share with me a little bit about your journey and maybe three things that you learned that you still use now, now that you actually have employees uh, that have really truly helped grow your business? Um, What's the question? I'm sorry. Can you share with me three things that you've learned from the path of being a solopreneur Mm. up until now that you still use that really truly helped you grow your business and thrive? Well, yeah, I've learned, oh gosh, so much. Let me think of the top three. As an entrepreneur, I've I've learned a lot. But one thing that I I can say I learned even before this is the power of being resilient. Um, 
And I thought I was resilient before, but I tell you, you learn that that character even more so when you're on your own because you get knocked down a lot, um, especially at the beginning of hearing, if you're constantly hearing no, 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 no all the time to every 100 no's to every one yes, you have to be able to suck that up, absorb it and keep it moving. So resilience is uber important. Um, and something I had to learn and you know, so getting you know, it came full circle in a lot of ways So I remember pitching Sally Beauty um, Over and over and over again and then they kept saying no and then once we went to Target They called us and said, oh, why didn't you pitch us before? I did you rejected us So, you know, it's kind of you have to get past all the no's and learn to not get stuck in the no's um, I would say always one thing that's important no matter what I learned and this is maybe not so much a learning that I've always had this character, but it's an important learning period is doing your due diligence with new products, new, a new business off the gate, due diligence, make sure that it's a consumer driven product or service that you're bringing to the table. Uh, when I develop new items, for example, making sure I do my due diligence, make sure I'm bringing what the consumer wants. So that is a part of the, um, learning process as an entrepreneur, um, every single step of the way to do your due diligence is very, very important. And as a black woman, wholeheartedly and transparent, I'll say one thing we don't do well is leaning on each other for help. And that's one thing I had to learn more of because when you come from where I come from, there's a lot of pride that's built in that you go, you tend to go it alone. So I had to learn myself to ask for help when I needed it. Oh, that's a great one. I, I definitely struggle with that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So as a black woman and a single mom, uh, what causes are near and dear to your heart? Well, oh, gosh, um, anything around. I created my own nonprofit, which I'll talk to you about that next. But I've I've um, went to an event this past weekend, Cocktails with Claire and the and the actual event. Um, benefited a woman called Moses and this is a woman who goes into the in, into the uh, actual houses apartments houses the hood for women who and children in the midst of domestic violence I'm not talking about after they hit it to the shelters if they make it to one but I'm talking in the midst of and she takes these women and kids out and she actually she has slept in cars with them when they couldn't get into shelters has gotten them hotel rooms Everything you think that this per these people need when they are starting fr from the bottom, square ground zero, without any assistance from being battered, she is going in and doing God's work, and it's just phenomenal. So I'm so connected to that that I want to. I'm actually after meeting her this weekend, gonna partner and bring curls into the fold to help her and all her, um, her uh, all of the people that she's benefiting here in South Dallas. But I also have a big heart for, which is something I'm already doing. Young brown girls like myself that came from the hood. I want to go back. And what I've been doing is going back into the hood and getting these girls to help them change their destiny. Like I said at the beginning, how do you change your destiny without, the, without information, without the resources or without the access to doing so? How do you do it? It's almost impossible. So I called, I created a new foundation called Curls Girls Rule the World. And that organization actually goes into the inner city and we bring in um, 100 girls at a time and we connect these 100 girls with women, successful women of color that are doing what they want to do in life. For example, if someone wants to be a doctor, we have a black doctor. If someone wants to be a newscaster, we have a newscaster. If someone wants to be a scientist, whatever she wants to do, we, we create, we make sure we find, recruit, 
and get these mentors that are mentors not for a day or a season, but they're mentors for life. So it takes a lot of time for us to recruit those mentors, but we bring them together at this event where they're connected to, they meet them for the first time, build that relationship and keep that relationship going and help to get them to where they want to be. Oh, I love that cause. That is so important. Yes. Now, what, how long have you been in Dallas? Four years. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm from Dallas, so that's my, actually my hometown. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So what? what's next? Wow. There's so much going on. I signed a deal with OWN, the OWN Network. Um, and I'm going to have my own reality show on OWN. Um, and it's helping women of color that own their own businesses take it to the next level. Um, women-owned businesses that are uh, minority or black African-American women-owned businesses are on the rise. We're up 300% in the number of businesses that are, have opened. But only 4% of us have made it to the million-dollar mark or above. So Oprah wants to change that statistic and get more there and bring more awareness around it. So this show is all around that. There will be only female black-owned businesses represented, and they all will have legitimate businesses that need help getting to the next level. And I'm the expert helping them do so. Wow. Congratulations. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is fun. Well, everything you've told me today has been phenomenal and it just makes me have that much more respect for you. Um, I'm sure you understand how it is in the entrepreneurial space, especially as an African-American woman, how difficult it is to find people who really inspire you and make you want to push, even if they don't know it. Yes. That's important. Even if you don't know it, just to create that, that, notion of if, if she can do what I can do that I can do it too and that's why I talk about my journey to sh- shatter those walls down and look at her she you know she's all this and her red bottom shoes or whatever the case may be because that's me today that's not where I started though mm-hmm. so I want to shatter that whole image of oh she's she's already you know she's successful but that's not where I started and I want to show those girls that I'm you so if I can do it so can you Yes, I love it. And if there's ever anything I can do to help, please let me know. I would love to volunteer and help out with those young ladies, um, especially if you're doing it in Dallas. I'm there all the time. Okay. Um, and I'm here in Houston too, so I think that's amazing. Oh, you're back and forth. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, where can everybody find you, follow you, support you? Okay. So follow my personal page at Mahisha M A H I S H A underscore Dellinger, D-E-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. And then for my business page is Frizz Free Curls. Frizz Free Curls. That's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. Well, you definitely have to let us know when the show is about to launch so I can put a blast out and let everybody know to support. Uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us today on Brunch and Slay. You're, you definitely made my day, and I'm sure this is going to give me the fuel I need for the week when I get those no's. So I can't thank you enough. And until next time, everybody, this is Brunch and Slay, and I'm Amira Shane. Bye.